Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council podcast where we like to explore mental health in your favorite and sometimes our favorite fictional characters. Uh, this is Brandon Saxton and Katie Gordon. Hi Katie, how are you doing on this uh, like incredibly cold Friday afternoon? I'm good. I'm happy to be inside. I woke up and saw that it was zero degrees zero out degrees. and that was concerning to me. Yeah, I uh, so a week ago, maybe, maybe a little more. It was like in the fifties, I think. And I think this next weekend it's going to be in the fifties. But it's that that good, good North Dakota temperature. <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get. It's a grab bag that I hate to live in. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you guessing. I think that North Dakota weather is taking the twenty serpentine from the McElroy brothers oh, and yeah. really zagging on us it, daily, uh, every day. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, but so I have this sort of I don't know where it stems from. It, it might make for like an interesting personality study for my own sort of personality pathology. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's sort of like a hardy Minnesota, uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota originally, mm-hmm. a hardy Minnesota personality characteristic that like it's March now. Uh, NDSU spring break officially is starting mm-hmm. uh, next week. So uh, in my mind, winter's over. And as a result of that, my winter coat is put away. So I'm just wearing, as you see right here, mm-hmm. my Columbia jacket, which is not equipped for zero and one degree <laughs> no, temperatures. So and much. anyway, um, so I'm I'm very likely going to become ill, uh, <laughs> um, just because the human body is not necessarily meant for the one degree temperature. With the, just the good old, I mean, my Columbia jacket's wonderful. But it's it's not made for that frigid of temperatures. No, I am concerned actually. Yeah, I can't do this podcast by myself. No, and I, that I is mean, the main thing I'm thinking about. It's a good point because it is pretty selfish. Um, not only to you, but also to uh, all of our wonderful listeners who every week look forward to just hearing about their favorite or our favorite fictional characters. <laughs> so anyway, that's my uh, that's my self disclosure for the day. Is that once uh, it hits spring break, once it hits March, I'm done with winter, even if winter is not done with me. Okay. <laughs> and here's my self-disclosure. I put my coat away because it was all warm and it was March. And then I left the house and um, didn't bring a coat. And mm-hmm. it was so cold that I actually had to call someone to drive me. Because I teach, you know where I yep. teach. It's kind of a walk out oh, in yeah. the cold weather. And I actually had to have someone drop me off because I was it, I couldn't handle it. And as a from being from Florida, I really oh, yeah. cannot handle the weather. Mm-hmm. But anyway... It'll warm up by tomorrow. I mean, hopefully. Or, hopefully. or I'm packing my stuff. <laughs> uh, so, current events. Um, I saw a trending hashtag on Twitter today uh, that went by Buffy Slays 20. And you're the biggest Buffy fan I know, Katie, so tell me about that. What does that mean? I am so excited. It's like a holiday to me today because, <laughs> because Buffy debuted. The show, not the movie. Some people don't talk about the movie. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I know there was a movie. That's uh, not the same uh, actors or anything like that, right? No, it's uh, it's it's a diff- it's seen as a different entity by most. Okay. Some people view it as a rough draft before the perfection of the show that came later. Does the story overlap at all? Uh, is there is some overlap, but they also take some liberties and make some significant changes. But the basic idea of a cheerleader at a school who 
is um, chosen to be the slayer. Sure. That's still the center, and also they reference in the show that past experience. Like she's oh, okay. moving to Sunnydale because of the stuff that she did when she was at her previous. So school. it's sort of a canon part of the story. Yeah, it's part of it's lore. part of it exactly. Um, but more people love the show than love the movie. Sure. And so the show debuted 20 years ago today. That's amazing. It it's remarkable and because it's so relevant and so creative and the characters are just have so much depth and so much relatability, it remains extremely popular. And so what I've been really excited about is like you mentioned it's trending on Twitter mm-hmm. and on Facebook. And they've done, there are all these new interviews with cast members and other people who are involved in the show. And I actually read an interview with James Marster, who's, who played Spike. And it changed the way that I thought about a show that, um, an episode that I didn't like. And when he explained how Joss approached that episode and his reasoning for it, it changed my opinion on it. And so it's really cool to continue to have dialogue about things that happened Many years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that many years ago, but it kind of is. I mean, oh, 20, 20 years, years ago is kind of a long time ago. Especially in pop culture mm-hmm. uh, terms. I mean, not a lot of things last 20 years, I, I don't think. No, I mean, I, I think it's amazing to see such... And I think having um, the show on Netflix has brought, mm-hmm. has kept people in the loop and people continue to be interested in it. And it's been, it's really fun. I have so much, so many things bookmarked and saved to read later, but I love the aspects that they talk about with regard to feminism and the metaphors and how um, Joss Whedon would, I guess he had this kind of approach, which is sometimes you don't give the audience what they want, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you give them what they need. Mm -hmm. And so he, I really, I think that that approach is what makes it so unique. And then also, a lot of the cast members were talking about how crucial Sarah Michelle Gellar was to pulling off this complex character, that she's sure. just a fabulous actress who was able to be funny and fierce and strong and vulnerable. And so um, I could talk about this for another 20 years, but that mm-hmm. that um, would take up all of our data space in our podcast land. So I will end it there and just say that I'm excited. Very good. Uh, so I have a couple of things to add, I guess. Okay. One is that it could be worth doing a, a Buffy-centric episode because I don't think we've actually done just an entire episode on Buffy yet. No, I don't think so. Um, sometimes I mix up the, the uh, blog posts and the podcast episodes a little bit in my mind just because I'm thinking about it all. So that could be worth talking about. Um, but additionally, what I think is uniquely interesting about Buffy Slays 20 is that the story's still going. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just so amazing to mm-hmm. me. Uh, so they're putting out the coloring books, which from mm-hmm. my sense are wildly popular. Yes. Uh, the comic series is continuing the story. Mm-hmm. And that's just incredible to me to see that the fandom is so alive and so strong after the show ended a number of years ago. Exactly. And then the, the spinoffs from it, too, and the spinoff comics, there's Angel and Angel and mm-hmm. Faith. And um, James Marsters in this interview was talking about the comic that he wrote for continuing the story of Spike's character. So there's just really something about this story that pulls people in and is really compelling. And it's just exciting to share that with so many people. Absolutely. Very good. Well, keep up the good work, Buffy fandom. You're keeping the story alive, and you're keeping Buffy uh, in all of our hearts. Exactly. Uh, One current event for me was I was fortunate enough to see Logan this week on Tuesday. Uh, And I've got a couple of things to say about it. Uh, Quick things, because I think we're going to do a Logan episode um, once you have a chance to see the Mm -hmm. movie. So those will be very spoiler-free. 
I know on this show I often joke about, uh, you know, I, I love DC Comics. I'm always very open about that, and I sometimes tease Marvel a little bit, uh, but I don't want to have any problem with Marvel Comics. I like Marvel Comics. I just have always preferred DC because I've always been such a Batman fan. But um, Logan uh, is easily, uh, and I can say this after processing it for a few days now, easily my favorite uh, Marvel film. Wow, so that's good. saying something because yes. I know you've seen... A lot of them. Uh, so. I, all of them, I think, mm-hmm. that have come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy was previously my mm-hmm. favorite, but Logan is now, uh, it is an incredible story. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into it too much because I want to save it for our Logan episode, but it's really something else. Uh, related to that, uh, I liked it so much that I want to look into start look into to, uh, starting to read um, a Logan comic, I think. Uh, I know they have Old Man Logan, and I know there are some other Wolverine sort of centric ones. That uh, if anyone has any recommendations for a good jumping off point for a real uh, a Marvel newbie, uh, I would be open to any suggestions for anything about uh, Wolverine because um, I know Wolverine uh, was the most popular comic book character prior to the Dark Knight Returns uh, coming out, and when Batman sort of took that role and has held it ever since. Mm-hmm. So I know there's got to be a lot of good Wolverine stuff out there. I think the character is awesome. I think Hugh Jackman does an amazing job portraying him. So I'd love to read some Wolverine if anyone has any suggestions, and uh, I look forward to talking more about the movie. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, my sister has seen the movie, and she liked it so much that she went back, watched all the other X-Men oh, yeah. and, and Wolverine movies said that she liked them better I than it. the first time be, with the new mm-hmm. understanding. And she's not a regular comic reader, but she wanted to start reading the comic. So mm-hmm. this clearly this meant a lot to her. And I've been hearing that same kind of thing from a lot of people, not just people who are just already diehard comic book fans. One thing that I thought was really cool, and folks who follow us on Twitter probably saw I retweeted this, was uh, Scott Snyder, who, of course, one of my, and I think I speak for both of us Mm -hmm. when I say both of our favorite comic book authors, uh, Not everything he's written that I've read has been amazing, and he's also talked a lot about just sort of what Batman means to him and mental health, and I think he's just an incredible author and an incredible person. And uh, he tweeted about Logan, uh, quote, hashtag Logan was flat-out inspiring, heart, intelligence, originality. This dark night, you leave wanting to do better work. And then hashtag best feeling, end quote. And to, uh, coming from someone who puts out such a, a, a high bar and high quality content to say something like that about the movie really uh, validates and speaks wonders um, about how great the film is and confirms how I sort of feel about it or validates my perspective on it, I guess. Yeah, so definitely I'm my homework over spring break is to go see Logan best Absolutely. homework ever and <laughs> listeners you go see it if you haven't yet you probably have though who am I kidding I'm the, I'm the last one to see it I think you are it's, <laughs> it's been like top grossing box office since no it came thanks out. to yeah. me um, and then we can all talk and then listen to it and not worry about spoilers and that'll be great and so. that will be great mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so just one more time I'd, I'd just love to throw out if anyone does have any recommendations mm-hmm. for any Wolverine essential Wolverine reading uh, I'm open to it so, uh, all right, so maybe we can jump into the uh, main topic of the day. So, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about internet gaming disorder. Um, we sort of got thinking about this topic uh, about, I was the other night, or last week, or maybe uh, recently, I was driving, and as I like to do when I'm driving, I was listening to NPR, and uh, they had a very interesting story playing while I was driving. And um, a subsection of the story of the episode uh, was about the game EVE Online. 
EVE Online is a massively multiplayer online sort of game where it's uh, sort of all about being in space. Um, I've never played EVE Online, but uh, it's recommended on a lot of sites that recommend uh, online games and MMOs, which is massively multiplayer online games. Um, so I know it's very popular, and a part of the story sort of went into how there's a couple of these very big factions that exist in the game, and quite often in these MMO games there do exist guilds or factions or groups to sort of integrate the social component, and I think develop a sort of in-group, out-group sort of uh, feelings in the game that sort of promote and get you excited about uh, pushing your faction forward and sort of facilitate gameplay in that way. Um, and this sort of talked about how the people who are in this faction were such so loyal to the group uh, that they actually were, had very strict times when they had to play. They had to get up at like 4.30 in the morning and play for a certain time before work, and they had to be on call, and the faction had its own hierarchy with a leader, and, uh, and it just got me thinking about gaming again as a gamer. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in sort of the idea, and, and, and then we sort of had a conversation about it, and and internet gaming disorder came up. So that's kind of how we sort of came to this um, topic and kind of got it into our minds. Um, so internet gaming disorder is uh, is one of the disorders in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, uh, which is sort of the diagnostic guide for mental health practitioners. Uh, internet gaming disorder falls under the condition for further study section. So this is sort of near the end of the manual, and we talked about this a little bit last week, just, but to sort of reframe it again. The, these are conditions that people are sort of thinking about. Uh, they've been seen to impact people in everyday life, uh, but we don't totally understand the disorder yet or what it consists of or how to treat it. So the APA includes it in the DSM as sort of uh, an idea to or a way to get that into people's minds and get maybe encourage research about it or things like that. Is that about how you describe yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the time it comes from clinical observations. People notice sure. that they are seeing people coming in for help and struggling with things. In this case, maybe they're worried about excessive gaming mm-hmm. and uh and then the clinicians say well but it's nowhere in this manual and we'd like to see it and so often that's what the first step in the process sure. is and it, especially with something like internet gaming disorder it's almost a response to a shift in culture in some ways because if you think about um 30 or 40 years ago something like internet gaming disorder th- there that wouldn't be thought about. So no, that's right. That's just a way that as um, sort of impairment and distress changes and adapts with technology and culture and shifts in society, uh, as mental health professionals, we're sort of adapting and shifting too to make sure that we're covering and studying and treating anything that sort of falls under that dominion of mental health. Yeah, that's a great point too, that it's we have to adjust with the times and as new problems present themselves, I mean, there are so many benefits to the internet, obviously. Oh, absolutely. But also, uh, whenever things are used to the point where it's excessive or causing people harm, then it's worthy of looking at in terms of how it impacts mental health. Absolutely. So internet gaming disorder is sort of an interesting disorder. This is a disorder that is most common in male adolescents. You most typically see this between the ages of about 12 and 20. And there are some studies that sort of show in terms of cultural demographics uh, internet gaming disorder is more prevalent in Asian cultures than you typically see in North America or in Europe. Mm-hmm. So there is sort of, like with a lot of disorders, a, a cultural demographic sort of variance in prevalence rates. Mm-hmm. Um, 
internet gaming sort of specifically uh, the diagnostic criteria for it. And, and I want to be clear again, too, that this is still not set in stone uh, because this is not in the actual DSM yet, sort of in that area for further study. So what you have with internet game disorder is, uh, and I'll just read it right as it's written, uh, repetitive use of internet-based games, often with other players, that leads to significant issues with functioning. And then beyond that, you have to have five of the following criteria that have to be met within a one year. So um, the criteria list preoccupation or obsession with internet games, withdrawal symptoms when not playing internet games, a buildup of tolerance, so more time needed to be spent playing the games, the person has tried to stop or curb playing internet games but has failed to do so, the person has had a loss of interest in other activities such as hobbies, a person has had continued overuse of internet games even with the knowledge of how much they impact their life, the person has lied to others about his or her internet game usage, the person uses internet games to relieve anxiety or guilt, so using it as a way of escape, and the person has lost or put at risk uh, opportunities or relationships because of their gaming. So those are sort of the criteria that you have to have five of those, of course, uh, to meet the diagnostic criteria for internet gaming as it's sort of understood right now. Um, so internet gaming, it's kind of interesting, and I think, um, Katie, have you ever seen anyone in your clinical work who sort of had internet gaming disorder or uh, problems with internet gaming maybe that didn't meet that full diagnostic criteria or or, you know, maybe even in uh, in class or anything like that? Yeah, I have come across some students who have struggled with gaming problems where it kind of takes a similar pattern that you'd see with substance use or alcohol where they plan to play for a certain number of hours and they end up playing way longer than that. And it seemed very similar to um, the web series, which we've talked a little bit about before, but maybe I'll, I'll mention it now, mm -hmm. to um, The Guild by Felicia Day, which is based on her own experience with internet gaming disorder. And the character Sid displays a lot of these things, and they were the kinds of things that I have had students express concerns about, too. So they include things like, you know, I meant to play an hour before bed and I ended up playing nine hours and mm -hmm. I played all night and then I missed class or work the next day. So that's a big part of it. Um, though that's the most typical thing where it's the point where they're worried about how it's impacting mm -hmm. their schoolwork. And that's probably why I'm hearing from them. Mm -hmm. But what about you? What kind of uh, experiences or uh, um, have you heard about with people struggling with these types? Of well, things? I haven't had any students or uh, patients sort of talk to me about internet gaming, but I do have some personal experience with it. Um, so as an internet gamer, I, I've played um, primarily World of Warcraft. That was a game I played a lot during my undergraduate career. Um, and then I, I'm just more, I, I'm a role-playing gamer. I like a lot of RPG mm -hmm. sort of games, and uh, yeah, I just enjoy video games. But I do very specifically remember uh, my very first year at NDSU, actually, which would have been like 2009, I think. Uh, the game Minecraft had this sort of recently come out, and it was g gaining a little popularity. A friend had told me about it. It didn't really make sense to me, and he showed me it, and I thought it looked really dumb because of sort of the graphics looked a little weird. Uh, but he had talked me into trying it, and I remember coming home after school one day, and I was going to sit down and try it. And uh, it was the most unusual experience for me because I sat down to try this game, and I got so caught up in it, and it was about nine hours, eight or nine hours had passed before I really even realized how long I'd be playing the game. And that was after school, so oh. you have to figure I got mm -hmm. home maybe about three or four, you know, mm -hmm. by the time class was done. So it was quite late, probably midnight, one or one thirty in the morning sort of time, 
And uh, I experienced the most uncomfortable sensation because I had no sort of recognition that that much time had passed. And it was so uncomfortable for me that I had to, like, delete Minecraft and, and I gave my account to my brother so he could enjoy it. But it was so weird for me to sort of experience that. So it so, totally sucked you in for that period absolutely. of time. Absolutely. Just, uh, if, you know, if you would have asked me in the moment, I probably would have told you, yeah, it's probably been about an hour, maybe mm-hmm. 90 minutes. Wow. And it had been about eight or nine hours. Oh, my gosh. And it was... Uh, I've, it very much was similar to the feeling, I don't know if you've ever had this or listeners, but where you wake up from a nap mm-hmm. and it's dark out and you're not sure what time it is. Mm-hmm. It was very much like that, but there was no sleep component. Mm-hmm. I was awake the whole time, which I think made it more disconcerting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was very uncomfortable for me. And uh, probably my, you know, I've never, I've maybe during undergrad, there were maybe a few times where I may have missed class because a new game had come out that mm-hmm. I was really interested in. But those are really sort of my only experiences personally with anything related to gaming. But uh, just that one experience with Minecraft was enough for me to sort of recognize, like, I shouldn't be playing this game because it could very quickly turn into something uh, that could spiral out of control for Mm -hmm. me. just was my sense at the time Mm -hmm. because of that one experience. Um, I also have a friend who, during undergraduate, was very, got very interested in games and uh, he would very uh, regularly play until 6 or so in the morning and then sleep most of the day away and miss all of his classes. And uh, what en- actually ended up happening with him, he lived on campus, and he actually had to go through sort of residence life and, uh, and I think probably the counseling center as well. And he was actually allowed to move off of campus and get an apartment where he lived uh, with no Internet connection because he had to stay off the Internet because he would get so caught up in playing online games. Oh, wow. That he was That's very really close, crazy. I think, to failing out of... Uh, of his undergraduate career. So. Oh my goodness! So you know, I think one one thing we should we should mention um, is we we're fans of games. We think they're oh, yeah. positive. I don't play a lot of games myself, yes. but I think there are a lot of positive effects. But for some people, a mm-hmm. small minority of people, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, big enough to pay attention to, it goes too far. Absolutely. Right? It's the same kind of thing when you think about other good things that are good in moderation oh, yeah. or for short periods of time. Lots of benefits. They um, can increase mood, they can engage you, they can do lots of positive things. So what we're talking about, since we focus on mental health and often mental disorders, mm-hmm. are the um, minority of situations where it gets to the point where it's distressing or impairing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm guessing it's more common what you experienced, which is you someone sees themselves taking it too far, mm-hmm. and they're able to put steps in place to stop Absolutely. themselves. But then there are some people who, without help, Mm-hmm. really struggle with that. For example, having to have no internet access right. to control yourself, right? Absolutely. It's a good point. And I hope I didn't come off like I was demonizing video oh, games. Oh, no. Yeah. Because I very much enjoy and still play video mm-hmm. games, as I talked about on the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it didn't uh, come off that way. I was yeah. just thinking it, some something when I talk about mental health problems, sometimes I forget to talk about the other side of it, which is that there are... I. There are mental health benefits to a lot of things Absolutely. that, when done in excess, then no longer have those benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, it was just one of those sort of weird experiences that I had where I just said, you know, Minecraft is an interesting game, but for whatever reason, there's something about mm-hmm. it that I just... I. In, who really knows? I could have very much p- maybe picked it up the next day and been able to play for an hour and turn it off. But it was just... The experience itself was so uncomfortable for me that I was like, I just can't do that again. Mm-hmm. That was too... Un- that was just... Too much, too weird for me cognitively. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah. I know Minecraft is very popular today, and I it sort of has this creative element. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of kids get a kick out of 
Um, so I don't think Minecraft is a bad thing. No, it was no, just no. for me personally. I, I was just like, whoa, that was that was a weird experience. Oh, yeah, and even for people who don't have internet gaming disorder, I think most of us can relate to things internet-related, even if it's yeah. not a game that we've had to put in some kind of step to stop ourselves from using it too long. Like, for example... For me, I could stay up all night um, reading various things, and I've had to cut myself off mm -hmm. from that, whether it means just r moving my computer or my phone from the room or something mm -hmm. like that. Again, that's not internet gaming, but the point is that most of us can relate to that idea of, wait a second, maybe I'm doing this too mm -hmm. much, and I need to cut back and pay Absolutely. attention to some other basic functions in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, just sort of tangentially and mm -hmm. diagnostically related, I mm -hmm. think it is worth also pointing out uh, sort of the difference, because... Uh, just to be clear, um, internet gambling, I think, is mm -hmm. something that's gotten pretty popular recently, mm -hmm. sort of in my sense. I know I have at least one friend that likes to do online poker. Um, that doesn't actually fall under internet gaming disorder, uh, which uh, maybe might be a little confusing or surprising mm -hmm. to some people. Um, internet gambling actually falls under the gambling disorder diagnostic mm -hmm. criteria. So it's kind of interesting to sort of see as technology sort of advances and now we have this online gambling and well is that internet gaming or is that gambling i don't know it's kind of interesting to see the parallels and how the reconciliation between mental health diagnostic criteria and real life applications of uh, technology exactly yeah. and i think it's going to take a while to pick those things apart hopefully um we can before all of these things have moved on to the next oh, thing absolutely. but you know things like depression or bipolar disorder that have been pretty well established. We've had years of studying them, mm -hmm. but for example, bipolar disorder in children is still relatively understudied. It takes a while to really understand what these disorders look like in nature and how to best characterize them and things like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the guild, which I think sure. we've talked about on air before. Um, yeah, a little I bit. I think so, but I'm just going to pretend that we haven't. Okay. Uh, because that's easier than testing my memory. <laughs> uh, Katie, how did you first hear about the Guild, uh, and when did you start watching it, if you can remember? Sure. It just was on Netflix, mm -hmm. and it looked interesting. And, um, you know, I liked Felicia Day already from, from Dr. Horrible. So sure. I kind of, it caught my attention that she, it, there was her picture on it on Netflix. So I just gave it a try, and I really enjoyed it, even though... Again, I'm not a big gamer or anything, mm -hmm. but I loved the quirky sense of oh, humor. Yeah. It's a funny show. It's it's so funny, and I I liked the cast. I liked that it was clearly like um, you know low cost budget. Maybe mm -hmm. it reminded me a little of Clerks or something like Kevin Smith. But um, you know, and then when I read the background for it, it meant even more to me because I saw that Felicia Day basically was trying to break out as a writer that she had acted super interesting and I won't go into all those details now but it's worth reading the book she wrote it's really good but I guess she wanted to write something she knew and because she had herself it sounded like several symptoms of internet gaming disorder related to World of Warcraft what she wanted to do was depict what she knew which is a group of gamers and I guess there was some concern that that wouldn't be really engaging to people mm -hmm. especially people who don't game but I, I think it surprised a lot of people. Actually, so the reason she was in Dr. Horrible, and I did mention this the last time we talked about it, so if you're hearing this for the second time, I'm sorry. But um, so it caught the attention of Joss Whedon. He saw the show, and that's why he invited her on Dr. Horrible. Mm -hmm. She had been on um, Buffy as one of the potential slayers in the last season. And so I loved that she just went for it, like did it all on her own and created this really funny thing and that it also captures not only 
stuff about internet gaming disorder, but also someone who struggles with some anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and actually sees a therapist. And so yeah. those were the things I liked about it. How did you hear about the Gilded Actually, Gilded? I think it was a very similar thing. Okay. Uh, I have a little bit of a hard time remembering uh, exactly how I got started on, but I do believe it was a similar story. I saw it on Netflix, thought it was very interesting sounding, uh, watched it, thought it was hilarious, and uh, kept up with it after that. Um, initially, it started as a YouTube yeah. series, correct? Yeah. And then sort of gained such popularity that it uh, is now on Netflix as full episodes. Mm-hmm. I think the initial episodes were sort of like, well, that you can kind of tell in the episodes on mm-hmm. Netflix, kind of where the breaks are in the YouTube episodes, because I think they were... Much shorter, three to yeah. 10, 12 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think also sort of was, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you know differently, uh, in a lot of ways the foundation for Geek and Sundry mm-hmm. was sort of the guild, and uh, which has um, tons of amazing shows now and does a lot of really interesting stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I um, think Felicia Day was kind of really, uh, now it seems to have a show that is on YouTube and on the Internet doesn't seem like that unusual, but she was really on oh, the yeah. cutting edge of that Absolutely. stuff and took it to whole different level and then they did end up getting sponsors and more um contributions for their later episodes and And, stuff like that and i think a very strong piece of evidence for that is you don't see a lot of youtube shows that make it to netflix no (laughs) that's that's absolutely especially probably over five years ago Mm -hmm. that's when the guild was already on netflix Mm -hmm. and and that's something else yeah that's Uh, right so do you suspect or do you think that the guild uh began with a specific goal of depicting internet gaming disorder in mind or in sort of your understanding of the show, or Felicia Day, do you have any sense about that? I think that she did want to show some of her own struggles that she had had with World of Warcraft. I don't know that it was specifically identified as that disorder or Mm -hmm. anything like that, especially because it was a while ago, and this is a relatively recent addition to the DSM. But I think that she... One thing that she did that I really like is a lot of the time when you're looking at depictions or perceptions of mental disorders, especially with addiction stuff, Mm -hmm. they show a bunch of the negative stuff, right? So you're depicting alcohol dependence and you just see how their lives are being torn apart. But what she does in this show is very different. It shows you why someone would be so hooked into playing in the first place. She's someone who's pretty socially anxious and generally anxious. Mm -hmm. Now I'm talking about the character Sid. I'm not talking about Felicia Day. Although she said Sid is based off of her, and you'll notice a number of similarities down to the fact that they both play the violin. But anyway, um, so, so what she did is she showed how there are these social connections, and this is based off of, which I think you might have read this too in Felicia Day's autobiography, but she met some people mm-hmm. that she was playing in her online guild. So Felicia Day was homeschooled, and one of the ways that she connected with people outside of her family was through early editions of online gaming, yes. and then she actually met up with them in person, and they meant a lot to her. So I think those friendships shine through in the guild, but they're also balanced with, I think we're playing this too much, and there are harms mm-hmm. in this. And so one of the interesting things, her therapist is, is kind of um, depicted as a little bit nagging although i agree with her advice (laughs) and she's basically like you need to meet people in real life Mm -hmm. you can't just have the people that you game with and so that's the whole premise for which she meets the people in her guild in person and that's a lot of the fun part of the show is the real relationships they develop in the game and outside of the game i think one of my favorite components of the show and i'd love to hear your opinion on this as well is sort of a lot of the times when you and i on this show and in our writing consider the depictions of mental health in popular culture we 
like to think about it through the lens of is it being accurate and is it being compassionate in the depiction? And I think the guild does both, Yeah, is my opinion and, and sort of my thought on it. Uh, the guild really depicts, I think, some of the struggles that maybe go along with social anxiety and that go along with internet gaming disorder. Uh, but I also think maybe on a different perspective or in a different scope, it also depicts sort of the nerd culture, for lack Mm. of a better word. So she meets her guild members who are this very quirky, eccentric group of people, all very sweet and they're all friends, but very quirky. And I think that the way that they're depicted is very much in a way that's funny without taking uh, low hits at Mm -hmm. uh, sort of the community in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very much, uh, they're very likable characters. you know, for the most part. They all become likable when you first meet a couple They'll of them. They'll have likable aspects, yeah, that's ultimately. A, right, that's a <laughs> no, good way to that's put a, it. And, you know, that's how a lot of people that we meet that seem a little different at first is that oh, once absolutely. you get to know them. I mean, that certainly happened in The Office where a oh, lot yeah. of the characters are like Dwight. You're like, he's very funny, but he's way annoying. But then yeah. you start to like him, and that happens with a lot of them. And Michael, even. Um, oh, yeah. In that he's show. Uh, just awful for the first like, <laughs> 10 or 15 episodes. Terrible. But then they show these redeeming qualities as yes. they develop more. And I, I agree. The Guild does a great job with that. And I, I think it also promotes a positivity of nerds, because one thing is they're pretty diverse. They're a different oh, group yeah. of people, but they're connecting over their love and enthusiasm for a game. And so mm-hmm. that's one super cool thing about nerd and geek culture. And then the second thing is that they are able to overlook their own weirdness. Like, everyone has their own weird qualities. And so um, Felicia Day's autobiography is you're never weird on the internet, almost, Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think that is one of the themes throughout this, too, is that there is um, an acceptance that they feel from each other and in their characters. And so there's, like, some of it is unhealthy use like she's trying to escape the things she doesn't like in her life Mm -hmm. by playing this game and Mm -hmm. being someone else so that those are kind of the downsides if they're taken too far i mean that can be absolutely great to distract yourself for short periods of time but then it also shows these other things and i think that was based on her real life experience that she met friends that were like her that she wouldn't have met otherwise if it weren't through Mm -hmm. this way and so i I love those components of it too it's a really great point and i think it raises up kind of the distinction maybe between coping and avoidance Mm -hmm. where you know maybe you use internet gaming or online gaming as a coping mechanism for dealing with a stressful day or uh, some other problems that are maybe gone in your life and then using internet gaming as a way to avoid your life and that's where you sort of get uh between something um you know innocuous as internet gaming that can quickly go tread the line between self-care and impairment, um, which I think is an interesting line. Um, I also think that you raised up a, an interesting point, too, with some of the good things that can sort of come from things like that. And I think the show sort of depicts a, a path in Sid that um, that Felicia Day also had in her life, that in many ways, as you pointed out, but one in particular that stood out to me was, so she sort of is this socially anxious person who presumably has what will be or is called internet gaming disorder, uh, but is getting help and starts meeting these people. And, and we actually see her sort of turn her life around in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, she starts dating. But I think one thing uh, was one component mm-hmm. of several. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I really like about it is she has a very uh, she has a passion for gaming in the show. And that actually turns into like a job at the game. Uh, they never call it World of Warcraft in the show, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it the game, which yeah. I love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is World of Warcraft. For, yeah. It is. But she actually, and I, and I think there's something very inspiring and interesting about 
about that and sort of taking something that you're passionate about and interested in and something that was actually impairing for her and turning it into a career where she's making connections and, and having a, a steady, reliable income and really being able to express herself creatively. And I think there's something really cool about how that's depicted that uh, I know is inspiring and interesting for me as a person and I suspect mm-hmm. it is for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. So it's not... It's, it's taking those strengths that she has and the expertise that she has yes. from playing the game, and she ends up in this role where she's providing feedback to the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. So the idea that you can take those strengths and the positive things and take them to inform your healthy ways in your life I think is really good while limiting some of the less healthy aspects. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a great point. I also think that there are a lot of subtle ways that this disorder is communicated in the guild which I like it's not so in your face like oh there's just someone and I think that's more realistic it's not just someone who's completely unaware and they've been sitting in the same place for 20 hours Mm -hmm. without eating or drinking anything there are little things like she introduces herself as codex her avatar Um, you know it takes her a second to introduce herself. So that's kind of an indication that her identity is melding too much mm-hmm. with her with her avatar. Um, you know, there's she has a post-it note on her computer that says online limit, and it says one, that's crossed out, two, three, all the way up to five hours is my limit. And that's a perfect depiction of the part of Internet gaming disorder, which is where you want to limit yourself, but you kind of lose control over that. And so I think... I think all of those things together make it one of the more accurate depictions of a mental health problem that I've seen. That's a really good point that I don't... I, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but it's a, it's a nice reminder because I think that sometimes shows or movies or media that sets out with a goal to depict mental health, it sometimes can be a, a little bit heavy-handed or on-the-nose mm-hmm. sort of about it in a way that I think which is something we don't like, and it leads to some misinformation. Um, for example, uh, see the previous episode on the film Split. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, something exactly. that, that is, a, of course, an extreme example of the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make, but an example nonetheless mm-hmm. uh, that had the goal of depicting dissociative identity disorder that sort of turned into a monster story that just leads to sort of, connections and connotations that I'm not interested in perpetuating <laughs> yes. uh, as someone who uh, desires to be a mental health professional. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, here what we have is the center of the story is not, ooh, this weird mental disorder and look how wacky they're being. It's really about friendships and development and healthy coping. And then on top of it, the avenue is they're playing this game and she's struggling with this internet gaming disorder. I mean, saying things like going on a video game bender when she and her boyfriend broke up. And Will mm-hmm. Wheaton's, and I don't know if we mentioned that in this episode. As like the arch enemy, if mm-hmm. I remember right, From of the, the opposing uh, guild. <laughs> yes, and he's fantastic in Absolutely. it. I mean, As he's, always. Uh, yeah. he's, uh, they're all very, very good, and, and he's no exception to that. So if you haven't yet seen this, mm-hmm. you might be able to tell. Brandon and I recommend it. Oh, yeah. It's well worth watching. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it's, it's on YouTube. And the last Sunday. time I checked, which was not a terribly long time ago, mm-hmm. I turned it on one evening as I was working on something, and it was still on. Okay. Uh, within a six-month time, I think. Cool. Um, another point I wanted mm-hmm. to say about the show, too, before we move on, sure. is I think it, in a lot of ways it was ahead of its time in terms of representation, mm-hmm. which is something we've talked about on mm-hmm. the show before, uh, which is something I think we both very unanimously agree is mm-hmm. important. Uh, so 
uh, earlier I sort of talked about uh, the typical demographics that you see mm -hmm. in people who suffer from internet uh, gaming disorder, and I'm not sure whether or not everyone in the guild experiences internet gaming disorder. We don't get to see so much about the, all their mm -hmm. personal lives as uh, Felicia Day's character is the main mm -hmm. character. But the group that's represented in her guild of online gaming friends is incredibly diverse mm -hmm. in that uh, you have uh, Sid, who is the main character, who's uh, a young woman, mm -hmm. and you have, uh, you know, uh, just to quickly cycle through them mm -hmm. based on my memory, a middle-aged man, and you mm -hmm. have uh, a mother who... Uh, not child neglect is never hilarious, <laughs> but some of the scenes are. She sort of has her young infant <laughs> penned up while she's playing the game, and yeah. the husband is hilariously depicted as trying to get her attention. Yes, and, but even that, see, that's where it takes something like the interfering with relationships, and clearly their Absolutely. marriage is disrupted. I mean, there's some point where um, Clara has her mm -hmm. husband even start playing the game so that they can connect more, but it's done in such a ridiculous way that I feel like it's this nice balance of keeping people watching, showing that it causes harmful ways, but also kind of um, showing in a playful way how Absolutely. some of those things come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's so, a great character. Oh, yeah. And so mm -hmm. those are just three mm -hmm. of the group. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, a, a whole r range of, mm -hmm. you know, ages and, and across all sorts of mm -hmm. demographic groups. You get to mm -hmm. see someone uh, on the show, which I thought was, I mean, that was, you know, representation is, is important. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, in the last handful of years, it started, to, people have really started to pay attention to it. But I would say 2007 sort of time. Mm -hmm. I would say in some ways it was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I might be no, I, misremembering. No, I, th I think you're right. And I think it also, it sends a nice, again, subtle message that this isn't, first of all, nerd culture and who is allowed yes. to be in it. And secondly, people who are vulnerable to um, gaming problems, it doesn't fall into a specific demographic group, mm -hmm. either um, by ethnic group or age group or gender. I mean, it's a variety of people can be affected and a variety of people can benefit from being connected to the acceptance part and yeah. stuff like that. And I love that really they took that a step further in making those um, music videos. Like oh, now yeah, I'm the that's one that's right. cool is a great one. And the, and uh, do you want to date my avatar? So there are a number of cool music videos. Absolutely. So uh, I suspect I'm not watching the time, but I suspect as usual, we're in the 40 minute <laughs> zone of, uh, of what used to be a 30-minute episode podcast, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> we, we just can't restrain ourselves when we mm -hmm. get excited about shows. So um, before I forget, it's time for the, the classic uh, online internet gaming award-winning <laughs> Pearls of Wisdom with Brandon. Uh, so if I have any Pearls of Wisdom for this week, uh, it's one, if you are interested in an accurate, um, compassionate, and depiction of mental health, packaged in what is an incredibly funny sort of TV show, please check out The Guild. It's so good. I'm absolutely certain that you can find it somewhere to watch mm -hmm. it. It's really great. And uh, the other part of the Pearl of Wisdom would be, uh, which is a Pearl of Wisdom from The Guild, I can't even take credit for it, is that uh, nerd culture belongs to everyone and that um, mental health uh, impairment or mental health disorders can impact anyone. That's, that's what it boils down to. I think those are two good take-home messages that you can take from the guilt. Um, so that's kind of all I've got for pros of wisdom. Anything to add, Katie? No, well said. I, I think, you know, if you're interested in learning more about this, you can look at our website and see a oh, yeah. more in-depth post 
about Sid Sherman and going into details about internet gaming disorder. We didn't actually even talk about any of the treatments, but that oh, might yeah. be a good next episode to Absolutely. talk about that. Um, so, uh, we, sort of just trying to start wrapping things up here, my usual spiel at the end. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. We appreciate all of our awesome new followers and our awesome old followers or existing <laughs> followers. Uh, all the support that we get is pretty amazing. Uh, you can find us at www.jedi-council.com. We've got all of our blog posts like Katie just referenced on there. There's a great one about uh, Sid from the Guild. Uh, we've also got links to all of our um, podcast episodes, blog, po- blog posts, podcast episodes, and a whole bunch of other interesting resources. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, podcast is available. Well, you're listening to it, so presumably you know it's available. You found it. You found it. Uh, you, you win the special <laughs> Jedi Council prize of getting to hear the podcast <laughs> that you already heard. Uh, we're, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Uh, if you like what you hear, could you just take a moment and let, leave us a review? We appreciate that very much. Uh, we read them all. Uh, we need to get back on to thanking people who tweet at us, too. Mm-hmm, I've been bad do. about it recently. So uh, if you tweet at us or about us, we'll, we'll get back into the habit of saying thank you. There's a lot of great people who have been tweeting at us on Twitter, and we really appreciate that. Uh, we we like to read that stuff. We, I think I speak for us both when I say we really like that interaction. With oh, folks. yeah. It's, it's been so fun. Oh, yeah. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to people about their interests, uh, people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, So, yeah. Oh, and also the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. That's I knew I was forgetting something in my spiel here. Mm-hmm. I should just pre-record it and just drop it just in. Just drop it in, no. and you'll never uh, have to say it again. Geek Therapy Podcast Network. It's an awesome podcast network that we're a part of. There's a lot of great shows on there. If you haven't checked or went to check them out yet, I can't encourage it enough. Uh, shows like Geek Therapy, sort of the flagship uh, podcast of the network. Uh, Headshots, Rolling for Change, and Psych Tech. A lot of great shows. Uh, so please go check those out if you haven't already. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got. Anything else, Katie, before we sign off for today? No, thank you for listening. All right, so today, instead of, uh, like, every week sort of bumbling around, uh, stumbling in my words for a few seconds trying to think of a sign-off in the last minute of the podcast, I'm just giving you uh, a nice sign-off from Walter Cronkite, sort of our our peer in a lot of ways. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A a similar... (laughs) A similar level uh, of quality uh, of reporting. Uh, so it, it seemed really fitting to me to borrow from someone sort of in, in our league. Uh, and that's the way it goes. <laughs>